0: This is
1: the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. Everybody, to the latest edition of the Doc and Jock Wrestling Podcast. I am the Doc John Macaroon. Adam is still in Brazil, but I got another Adam. Many will argue that maybe even an upgrade to the one that sits usually across from me. Adam Salgate is here, a longtime fan of the podcast, and to tell this story is awesome. It really, you know, reminds me of why I do something like this. We do the podcast every single week, and then we start noticing those that are engaging in the process. And we see those that are creating videos, responding to the things that we're saying. And Adam is great. He follows us weekly. He definitely loves himself some professional wrestling. And I would definitely start to see more and more replies. So, as advertised, Adam is here.
0: Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks, John. I really appreciate it. It is awesome to come down here and meet you, um, be a part of this. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, I just kind of have a passion for wrestling, been watching it since I was 15. Um, buddy of mine, we've always been big fans. So once I found your podcast, I was like, this is really great. There's Your podcast had a great flow to it. Um, I love the reviews of SmackDown and Raw sometimes when I couldn't watch and it's awesome. Your takes are... And you guys know your stuff, too. Like, I can tell you're wrestling fans through and through, so...
1: Yeah, you walked into the office, and you're like, oh, man, the belts are actually on the wall. We're legit. Yeah. Uh, I used to grow up, and my Saturday routine was watching Garfield and Friends on television, and then superstars would come on. And if you see, if you're a guy that subscribes to the network... They added superstars on the WWE network. Oh, did they? Yeah. So I've been going back and watching some of the old uh, WWE superstars. It was just an hour show. It was so condensed, yeah. but it was different in that all the great talent would just wrestle jobbers. So <laughs> it was basically an hour show where, like the Bre- the Hitman Hart would wrestle like a guy named Barry, and he looked like a guy from a beer hall, and it was <laughs> great. And it was like a, re- a review show where they'd have like more studio stuff, interviews, more vignettes. Yeah. And I was talking to Adam. And uh, I was telling them, you know what? They should do a longer length Superstars version now in 2019, where you know the top guys don't always have to wrestle each other. I just feel like you know you can use the network to air some uh, some additional content like that as well. So you started watching wrestling around the age of 15. Who was coming up at that time?
0: You know that was basically start the start of the Attitude Era in many respects. I mean, Undertaker was huge. I remember going to an event at Saginaw Civic Arena. Which, uh, which is now Dow Event Center in Saginaw, and the lights went out, right? And I'm probably 10 years old, and I'm almost scared to be there, but the atmosphere was awesome, right? So it really got me kind of hooked early. The Attitude Era is what I remember, you know, growing up with most, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, uh, Triple H, Degeneration X, all of those guys. That's what was huge. And then, obviously, coming into the Hardy Boys, I remember watching their first early matches on Sunday Night Heat, Awesome matches, awesome stuff, and I—I I fell in love with them early. I had posters, I had T-shirts, I had their book. I did everything, you know, everything Hardy Boys. I was I was all about it. So it's been awesome to see Matt make a comeback.
1: Yeah. So where do you think it's at now? Because um, obviously you listen and you hear Adam and I basically complain about Monday Night Raw. It's been up and down for the better part of the last year. The ratings are down. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we were all reinvigorated. We were excited when Vince McMahon, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon come out in an episode in late December, I believe. And they're like, look, we see what's going on. We see that the ratings are dipping. We see that the interest and the complaints are elevating. And they come out and say there's going to be a new direction. But then, basically, Raw has been up and down where there's some weeks that are really good, really entertaining. And then there's others where you go... You're just burying more characters. It's way overproduced. Uh, a lot of things don't make sense. Uh, and we'll talk about a couple of those angles uh, on this very episode of the Doc and Jock Wrestling Podcast. It just seems like Raw with the three hours isn't being utilized as properly. Whereas Adam and I think that SmackDown with the superstars, being that it's a condensed two-hour show, really can deliver. But at the same time, we have complaints in that you got these great superstars and you want to see... You know, the likes of Andrade and Rey Mysterio have great matches. Yet you chop them up with commercials. You know, you start and stop matches at weird times. So, we love SmackDown, but we just hate the production. We hate the fact that you have, you know, situations which great wrestlers are doing great things, but they get 8 minutes and 3 of them are cut off with commercial. So, it's just I think it breeds the excitement that we're now seeing for AEW. It's going to be something different. We think that uh, the wrestling is going to be totally different, not so produced, and not so basically PG. Where are you at with the current product and what you saw with Monday Night Raw and the, the current evolution as it's being advertised?
0: Yeah, so I've shared this with you guys before. Monday Night Raw was a tradition. It was a big-time tradition for us in our 20s, me and my buddy JR, and then about 10 other guys, like and girls too, everybody. We would just get together on Monday night. It was like clockwork. We'd watch wrestling. We'd hang out. Some nights we'd pay more attention. Some nights we wouldn't. But every night, Monday, that was the thing. So it's been really hard for me to break, even though SmackDown's been forever. It's been hard for me to kind of break into like watching wrestling on Tuesday nights. So the funny thing is, is not long after the McMahon's came out, I had kind of made the decision. I'm backing off of Monday Night Raw. If I am I only got so many hours. I got two kids. I got. I work two jobs. Like, you know, there's only so much time to spend watching TV. So I'm like, I'm going to start getting into SmackDown and NXT. That's going to be my kind of three hours a week of wrestling. So then, like the very next week, so this would have been about a month ago. The very next week, they start bringing out Alistair Black, Ricochet, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa. So like they're bringing in these NXT guys, and they're actually giving them time. They're not doing what they're doing with, uh, you know, EC3, which I know Adam is like, he can't stand what they're doing with ec 3 and i agree i don't know much about his past history i didn't watch him before nxt but they're not doing jack with him they're doing shit with him they're not doing anything he just stands around so so i thought it was kind of funny how like i it was almost like they were in my head they were like we have so many people that are leaving to watch nxt stuff because it's so much better and we have more people hitting smackdown and we have this talent and now they're just bringing them up and they're putting these guys on both shows so the thing is, I agree with you guys 100%. Raw's a little too long at three hours. They just don't want to give up what they've had. I think that's what it is. I think Vince's ego is too big. He's like, we've been three hours. We went to three hours, and we took down WCW. We're never going to change. He needs to change. That needs to. It needs to get consolidated. The SmackDown being two hours, the two-hour episode, it is condensed, and you do have shorter matches, and they get interrupted. But I tell you what, the action's so much better. And the wrestlers, sometimes when I look at the rosters, I'm like... Well, SmackDown's got like all these wrestlers that personally I care way more about the interest than watching no offense to Finn Balor, but I joke about boring Corbin all the time. <laughs> I'm just can't I no thanks. I'm over him. I Bobby Lashley's got no personality. He's maybe a beast and he's a but they did the smartest thing they could do to put him with um Leo Rush. Try to get him get somebody to talk for him, but
1: And you have all these tag teams that by and large if you highlighted them probably would be you know over and i think yeah. some of these guys probably should go to AEW just, you know, not because of the fact that they're failures, but because something different to mm-hmm. highlight their strengths. I mean, you had on Raw a gauntlet match with Heavy Machinery, B-Team, Ascension, Zack Ryder, and Kurt Hawkins, okay? And in that match, Heavy Machinery basically destroys right. the entire tag team, yep. uh, you know, that's basically makes up the mid-card of Monday Night Raw. And you realize, okay, Heavy Machinery's over. They're getting the push, being that they're new from NXT. But you got the B-Team, second-generation, third-generation wrestlers, you know, Kurt Hawkins is an amazing individual that comes from the lineage of Mr. Perfect, and you, you you highlight them for like two months, and that's it. The Ascension basically have been jobbers for the better part of their run in WWE. Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins uh, now is just a bit in terms of how many matches in a row is Kurt Hawkins going to lose. But those three teams, the B team, the Ascension, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, you probably could put on another show and make them almost you know, upper mid-card talent. I think that's the problem that a lot of us fans are having is that, yes, it's fine in terms of, you know, wins and losses. We understand that just being on the show is important, but the way that a lot of these talent are utilized is why we're seeing the likes of The Revival, uh, maybe Dean Ambrose, some important figures, uh, Dolph Ziggler kind of now going in and out for the better part of the last four months. A lot of these guys now are probably sitting back going, how am I really being used? Do I feel okay just grabbing a check? to go out there and entertain the fans, but to have no direction, uh, to kind of be like a guy like a Zack Ryder, where you win the Intercontinental title, you have your moment, and then you go away for a year and a half. Yeah. Some of it due to injuries, some of it due to some creative stuff, but a guy like Zack Ryder and Curt Hawkins, they have talent. They have had vignettes. They've had situations where they've been productive, and I think they can be used a little bit better, and I think that's probably the biggest thing is that the mid-card guys haven't been used well, and maybe Bruce Pritchard will come in and Totally revamp it, but the first couple of weeks still, to me, reek of look. This is our formula. This is how we're going to fit it in. I mean, literally. And I'll start to. I'll start by asking you this: The Shield reunites again, right? On this episode of Monday Night Raw, I feel like you know what. If you would have looked at it differently, you could have. If Dean Ambrose is actually going to leave. You just have that be the closing thing of Dean Ambrose's tenure. You could have that as a WrestleMania moment. You could have that being the next night on Monday Night Raw if if he can stay one more day. You realize, look, reuniting The Shield now is kind of the law of diminishing return. I just didn't find it intriguing at all. It's like, okay, you just threw them together so you could have a match fast lane.
0: Right. I think the funny thing from my perspective on The Shield returning is I took like kind of a two-year sabbatical in my in like late 20s from I didn't watch much wrestling at all. So I have literally no attachment to the shield. Like they come when they come back together, it doesn't mean a lot to me. I'm getting the feeling that fans are kind of sick of it too. It's, you know, they're coming back and forth. They're doing different things. It's not too exciting in my mind, but when we take a look at what Dean Ambrose is doing and potentially leaving, I'm really intrigued that they are basically saying on air, hey, this guy's on his way out. His wife even made a comment about greener pastures. That was super interesting to me because I don't remember that ever happening in older, you know, older takes of WWE that they would actually not acknowledge a guy taking off. So what did what did you think about that? Like is are they legit doing it? Are they allowing it to happen and and they're gonna Able to you know kind of promote him or do you think it's a it's all a fake you know a work that he's just he's not actually leaving they're just playing with internet rumor
1: no I believe that Dean Ambrose probably needs a little bit of time away because he's been wrestling so much now the part that maybe, is overblown is him actually leaving to go to AEW. Okay. I feel like, you know what, he just needs a little bit of time away from wrestling. He's been doing it for so long that, you know, he actually felt that way. Now, unfortunately, he's under contract until April, so the WWE can work on him a little bit and say, look, do you want more money? Do you want better angles? What do you want? Do you want more control? So until he actually has his final match, has his moment, and then does not come back, I still think that there are talks happening. And I don't think the the decision has been fully met. It's in his mind. I do believe that, you know what? It's a grind, man. They they all come out and say that, you know, when you look at the schedule, like one night they'll be in Saginaw, the next night they'll be in Detroit, then they got to go to, you know, Philadelphia. And on all the shows that you watch outside of the wrestling product, they say they wrestle 300 days a year. You know what that must be like to travel the world and then take bumps? You, and then, you know, coming back from an injury, I feel like Dean Ambrose's character was basically botched. You know, he comes back and he's, he's you know, a red hot figure. And then they turn him heel right away. And then they turn him face back again. And there's a situation with the shield. So these wrestlers don't like the fact that at the drop of a whim, Vince McMahon will just totally change up the angles. And I just think that it really plays on them. Like, you know what? A guy like Dean Ambrose deserves a lot better. And you're exactly right. This Shield reunion, whether he's all in for it or not, just seems rushed. It doesn't seem like it's the best way to present it. So I agree that uh, Dean Ambrose is definitely a guy that could benefit, could be a major star in AEW. But I just think maybe he could take advantage of three months off, really rethink his character. And if he comes back, whether be to WWE maybe at SummerSlam or Survivor Series, or if he goes and tests the water and leverages himself asking AEW and WWE to bid for his services, if he actually takes the time and decides what's best for him, I think that maybe he can get I think he's a perfect candidate, though, to go to AEW. I think a a new light, not that WWE is terrible, but a new refreshed look at his character from some different eyes, from maybe Cody and Chris Jericho and the Young Bucks, could maybe revolutionize AEW with a guy like that. I mean, you can make Dean Ambrose a centerpiece. He's that good, got to work on his promos, but he's got to do a little bit better, I think. And I think he's probably a little bit burnt out. So I think he's got to be kind of convinced to stay.
0: His promos lately have been kind of fun, because I feel like they're a little bit, he's breaking script. He's doing a little extra, and and that's exactly what you were talking about a while ago about it seems like it's formulaic. Like, it's always a formula, right? They got to follow script. Well, at least he's breaking a little bit, and Triple H doesn't get a script. He gets to go out there this past week and just kind of run his mouth because he is who he is. That's what we need more. They need to allow more guys to do that. What did you make
1: of Triple H's promo? Because I saw I saw that, and I'm like, wow, that's a, that's a professional angle. Yeah. But the content of the angle kind of was a little bit interesting to talk about in that he comes out and he says, you know, this isn't just some character angle. This is personal, Dave, and it's not going to be Triple H, the CEO, looking at you. It's going to be me. And so the, the way it made it mm-hmm. seem was like, okay, WrestleMania is just going to be a bunch of characters and angles, whereas I think he was trying to establish that our feud's going to be really important, whereas to me… I, I and I said it last week on, on the podcast. I just think it should be like a second or third match, maybe even a piss break match. I mean, you're gonna have two older guys. I mean, it's nice, but some of those old time angles now involving Triple H aren't must watch. I mean, because I kind of feel like Triple H is gonna go over you, the way it's set up. You know, Dave Batista gets over at first over Ric Flair. I don't see Dave Batista coming back on a short term run, especially with Triple H having lost a couple matches in his previous WrestleManias putting guys over. I don't see. In this matchup, Triple H putting over Batista. So for me, that angle, I love the promo. I love the intensity. It's smooth. Triple H is a pro. You would expect that, but not at the expense of guys that maybe could use that time. I mean, Triple H's time is over. I feel like his best role should just be in the background or be someone's valet, be, you know, be in the corner of Seth Rollins, just be in the background guiding him, be more of a passive character, not a guy involved in an angle. That's a spot. That's 20 minutes, basically, that could be allocated for an NXT star or for the likes of some of the mid card guys. Now that's taken up by Triple H. So uh, it was great, but I just didn't like some of the content.
0: I agree with what you're saying, and and when I took my break from wrestling a little bit was because I felt like none of the young guys were getting star roles. It was still all the guys that I had already watched for about 8-10 years, and they weren't really keeping it up in my mind. So, him coming back out there, I see your point about taking time away. I would say that I'm happy it's an angle with Dave Bautista and not old Undertaker who can't move around the ring. No offense. Love him. He's a legend, but... His matches earlier in the year with Shawn Michaels, Undertaker Kane, that was garbage. Just garbage. And I know they probably did it because they're overseas and these are the characters that more people know or something. But as a fan, as a wrestling fan, I'm just like, this is this was not worth waking up at 4 a.m. to like even remotely pay attention to. Now, the
1: final thing I want to address in regards to Monday Night Raw was, okay, finally we get the heel turn from Ronda Rousey. And obviously it was not too much of a surprise that it's shaping up to be a triple threat Mm. at WrestleMania. It's going to be Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte. So going into the show, people were commenting on Twitter. I don't know how much you passively look at or actively look at uh, wrestling Twitter, but... People were talking like, okay, at Fastlane, it's going to be two SmackDown stars wrestling for the Raw women's title. So that's a little bit weird. Now it plays out on Monday Night Raw that, okay, uh, because in weeks past, Ronda Rousey had, you know, quote-unquote, pseudo-dropped the belt and dismissed it and things like that. And so now the stipulation is if um, Becky Lynch wins... Which obviously we all know is going to happen. She's going to win at Fastlane. You basically took out all the intrigue. If she wins, she she can be reinserted into the matchup between what's happening now, currently between Charlotte and Ronda Rousey. Well, obviously after taking you know a bunch of verbal abuse on Twitter and uh, in promos, Ronda has been you know fed up. She's now mad and she comes out and gets over on Becky Lynch. I thought it was a good job because up until this point, people have been commenting on her botches during her promos, the fact that maybe she's been given this light, maybe undeserved. And now, as a heel, I think it's a perfect spot for Ronda Rousey. This is the role that she should be in. Now, how is it going to play out in terms of uh, this feud? I obviously think that if she is going to leave after WrestleMania, as some rumors would indicate, then you have Becky Lynch win and get her moment at WrestleMania. But I think it could be a match that steals the show. But in the end, I just feel like, you know, the fans want... Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey straight up, but I respect the fact that they're holding it off, kind of building that intrigue. So if it does happen, maybe at SummerSlam or even next year's WrestleMania, it can be played up and you get more of the hype. So I understand why they did it. It's just as a fan, as a guy watching, I'm like, dude, give me the payoff. I want to see Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, the two biggest stars right now. But I also understand the fact that you can extend this out a little bit. So I respect that.
0: What I find, I love the Ronda heel turn. I think it was built proper. They even mentioned it. I mean, of course, they're feeding it to us, spoon feeding it. But, you know, Michael Cole saying things like, you know, this has been building for weeks and weeks. And, you know, it kind of has been. What I find kind of interesting about this triple threat or really the three characters when you look at them is they're all heels right now. But Becky was a heel. She's basically a face, but she became a face by going heel. It's so interesting what they did with her. And I remember talking to you guys about when she came when she came out and was basically like I don't need you cheering for me they cut off they cut that off right away that following week was the last time she mentioned anything like that so the point here is she's becoming a face but still doing heel type things attacking them doing things and they're just you know letting that happen organically and that's why this is probably the best storyline that they have going it is being pushed by them it is you know with Ronda Rousey and everything but it feels the most organic with the fans and what the fans want.
1: Exactly. And I, I agree with you. I think um, what we talked about in regards to raw is that have WWE really given the fans what they wanted. Well, this is a sign that yeah. they are the fans wanted R- Ronda Rousey to be healed. And now she is.
0: Yeah. And it makes the most sense. And I loved her just basically, I mean, those punches look pretty legit. I mean, she's probably holding back on some extent, but they were they're were more physical than your typical wrestling punches, especially all those body shots. So it was it was good. I thought it was good. Her, her mic skills are questionable, but she's gotten better. Her in-ring skills are still questionable, but she's gotten better. I mean, yes, she was tossed right into it because of her name and who she is and the ticket that she has, you know, with what she can sell, but... I enjoy watching her wrestle. I enjoy her matches. I like watching her go out there and beat ass.
1: Yeah. Yeah, now we turn over to SmackDown, and the biggest story coming away from SmackDown is finally a character that has been taking losses and feud after feud. Samoa Joe gets his belt. Uh, Loved it. Yeah, it was the best, I thought. I was like, oh, finally, a guy that, uh, you know, has been built up as this destroyer. He's a character that I think is legit. He's believable. He's now the new United States champion. And I thought that was really a highlight of SmackDown. It was really a moment where you can be like, all oh, right, it was great. He won the four way match and it was a solid matchup too.
0: I loved it. I, Samoa Joe, everybody's got their own personal style of what they enjoy watching. Samoa Joe is my, I love watching him on the mic. I could listen to him all day because everything that he says, you feel like it's real. Like he, he is that monster. He is going to beat your ass. He's going to take you out and he's going to have no remorse about it. like, and that's what I love about him. It feels real. His feud with AJ Styles last year. Loved that. Absolutely loved it. I watched that clip about him tell 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 her I'll be your daddy. I watched that a number of times. He's hilarious. Like those are the types of things where it doesn't feel scripted. Yes, he is scripted, but he doesn't put it out there like it is. And so I I absolutely loved watching Samoa Joe win that title i wasn't i kind of forgot he was in the ring and he you know he does the senton bomb boom and then he takes it i loved it it was awesome
1: what did you make of how wwe has uh, kind of built up kofi kingston now you have the returning kevin owens it's going to be daniel bryan versus kevin owens at Fastlane, and you have a situation now in which kofi's kind of the underdog But now he's in a situation in which he probably is going to have a moment, maybe even a chance to wrestle at WrestleMania for the title. I think it's brilliant, you know, in terms of how you can elevate a guy through making him the underdog role in Kofi Kingston. I I love it. Um, I just wish that, you know, obviously we could have seen maybe Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan at Fastlane, but I think Kevin Owens versus Daniel Bryan could be a decent
0: matchup. It should be a great matchup. And I, I am interested to watch that. Kofi Kingston took the spot of Ali, right? And that, um, Elimination chamber. They weren't planning in my mind for the fans to fall in love with just how much I mean they know they like Kofi, but they weren't planning on it being what it was. So to me, they're they're gonna do their best to try to put something out there that the fans will connect to, but I'm gonna I'll flat out say it right now. I Kofi Kingston won't win a belt. He won't win a championship belt. It just won't happen. In that elimination chamber, I was watching it going, Okay, this is awesome, and maybe he maybe like one percent. But in the end, I was actually just thinking, this is the WWE saying, thanks, Kofi. Here's your moment. This is the closest you're probably ever going to get. Enjoy. I don't know. I just, I don't see him taking it off Daniel Bryan or almost anyone else to give it to Kofi. I just don't think it's likely.
1: How fascinating is that? Is that R-Truth gets a run, but Kofi Kingston can't. Right. <laughs> Along the way, during SmackDown, The Miz defeats Jay Uso. Uh, obviously, R-Truth had the open challenge and he ends up losing. Um, Ricochet and Aleister Black defeated the bar. Now, they weren't victorious on Raw, but I like the fact that Ricochet and Aleister Black are doing both shows. And after, as well, doing the NXT show in Detroit, they brought it down at the Royal Oak Theater from those that went. You can check out the hashtag NXT Detroit. You can see all the great photos and things from that matchup. But I I like the way that Black and Ricochet have been utilized so far in WWE.
0: Yeah, I think it's been really great. And I was kind of comparing. Like, why is why are they getting paired up as a tag team instead of bringing in, like, the actual tag team, the DIY tag team of Tommaso Ciampa and Gargano? But I like the decision being made to bring them up in this tag team division because to bring DIY back together after anyone who's been watching wrestling, and I think that's where they're allowing their smart fans to know what's happening. Like, the history that Gargano and Ciampa have had for the last year, like, for them to just step in and now be tag team buddies on SmackDown and Raw and get this run wouldn't feel right. So I think it's smart that they're kind of um, playing to the people who are paying attention to everything.
1: My biggest complaint this week is outside of the biggest women's angle, the rest has been just kind of a, a mess. You have Natalia on Raw, kind of in a throwaway match, doesn't have any heat. On SmackDown, you have a situation in which um, Rose defeats Naomi in a match that kind of feels rushed and sloppy. Yeah. It just feels like they've given the, the the spotlight to the big-time women, and that's great. But I think to create a true, quote-unquote, women's revolution... You can't just totally dismiss the rest of the women. I think it was unfair. And if you think about it, it's just the women at the top and the rest. Do you really have any interest in anybody else? I mean, you have a star like Asuka, and it kind of feels like she's an afterthought on a major show.
0: It's really weird. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think the only people that are getting some push are the tag champs, as they should. I mean, they, they the brand new belts, and they're going to try and push those. They were on NXT this past week, well, last week. So I think that's kind of cool that they're getting uh, some push. But you're right, there's not a lot of other there's not a lot of other interested angles when it comes to the women. They did rush that match with Naomi and Mandy. It was like the, I I blinked and I was like, oh, it's over. What happened?
1: No doubt. So this week, I think it's fair to say that both you and I probably agree that SmackDown was much better than Raw.
0: Yeah, I mean, Samoa Joe winning the belt is pretty much, I've been waiting for him to get on WWE for, for 10 years now, and it's been awesome watching his run, so it's awesome. I love having Joe there.
1: Now, typically, Adam has his match of the week. Now, you have something that you want to address. You have your funny moment of the week, so give it to us. Adam's funniest moment of the week in WWE programming.
0: In the Tamina match against Sasha Banks, when she hits that super kick, watch the referee. It's, it's a little thing to go back and see, but he has this unbelievably, like, surprised look on his face, and he slides in super dramatic to get that pin. It's a little thing, but it's pretty damn funny if you go check it out.
1: It's <laughs> funny. Now, the biggest news of the week, unfortunately, involves a passing. King Kong Bundy passed away at the age of 61. Oh, man, you realize... A lot of these wrestlers are passing away young. Obviously, a lot of people have the memory of the Hulk Hogan, King Kong Bundy match with the blue steel cage. King Kong Bundy was an interesting character in that he was one of those first really scary heels that as a kid, you're like, oh my God, I don't want to see this guy ever on a TV because you'd be legitimately scared.
0: Vader. That was my Vader. <laughs> but King Kong Bundy, I, I don't remember too much of him, but you know I respect who he was. And I saw Matt Hardy posted a, a clip of Jeff Hardy getting clotheslined by him and oh he was always a great guy and loved that jeff hardy sold that so well so sounds like a really good individual
1: all right now here's the best part so you heard this uh adam currently is in brazil so he said let's keep this above board whoever comes in don't rig it so that john wins it because i am trailing in terms of the competition <laughs> what we do is we preview the pay-per-view upcoming so me and you will go through it and just give your honest opinion as to what you think could happen you can give your opinion as to what should happen but in the end just tell me who you think wins the match and at the end we will tally when the pay-per-view airs and next week we'll recap it and see if you're able to outdo me and and uh you're playing for Adam the Jock Rosinski so do the best you can but if you do lose you're also helping out the guy that invited you here so oh, think about that th-
0: that's fair that's fair i understand but you know I, maybe i'll try and stay as True to my namesake and get it going as I could.
1: Get it going as you should. All right, here we go. Let's start right at the top. WWE Championship match. It's the champion Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Owens.
0: He's got his own belt. Plain and simple. The dude's not losing it till maybe SummerSlam. I don't know. He may literally run the entire year or until his brain is mush. I'm not sure, but... He's not losing. It's Daniel Bryan all the way.
1: No doubt about it. Uh, I have to go with that too. Daniel Bryan, because you got to have him be the heel character at WrestleMania. Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. I I don't think that there's a scenario in which you have like a double DQ or a fake finish. You got to have Becky Lynch be reinserted. So give me Becky Lynch all the way.
0: I didn't think about the potential of like a double DQ and then they carry on the storyline for a little bit longer. But to me, you're right. They probably just wrap it up, put the three of them on posters and get it rolling. So it's Becky Lynch. I
1: think you and I probably will agree on this matchup as well. You have the shield reuniting versus Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin and Bobby Lashley. You don't bring back the shield and have them lose. So there is a small chance because of the fact that there's a scenario in which some people are hypothesizing that Dean Ambrose turns in this situation and you set up the Roman Reigns versus Dean Ambrose at WrestleMania. So with that said, I'm going to buck the trend, and I'm going to say that's when it happens, is fast lane. So give me Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, and Bobby Lashley winning with a heel turn, again, from Dean Ambrose, costing the Shield the victory.
0: All right, Jock, I hope you're listening, because this might be where we make up a point. I'm going to stick with the Shield. I don't know that they're going to do that. That would be cool, but eh, they're probably just going to let them win. Roman comes back, and he gets his win.
1: Okay, the SmackDown Women's Championship at a house show, if you heard, Asuka kind of had to stop her match early. Mandy Rose maybe threw her on her back and kind of caused an issue. So people were freaking out on Sunday, but Asuka's okay. She showed up on SmackDown and this Sunday for the championship, it'll be Asuka the champ versus Mandy Rose. Asuka a thousand percent, no other way around it.
0: Yeah. I don't, this isn't one to go against you and try to make up any ground. <laughs> Gotta stick with Asuka.
1: Okay. The SmackDown tag team championship. You got the Usos, the champs versus The Miz and Shane McMahon. For me, I think The Usos deserve to go to WrestleMania as the champs. They're just an unbelievable tag team. And anytime they get the belt, I don't find myself going, ah, disappointing. You know, them, The Shield, The New Day, they can rotate the, the belt, the SmackDown belt, all, you know, for the next two years with those three teams. I'd be okay.
0: So this is interesting to me because if Shane and The Miz win it, then they're guaranteed basically to be at WrestleMania. Like, Shane will have a match. If they lose it, how is Shane going to be on WrestleMania? Because I'm pretty sure the McMahons are going to want him there. So I kind of have a lot of you know, turmoil. This is like a coin flip to me. It could go either way. I'll stick with the Usos, though, that they keep the belt. Okay, so
1: you, you got the Usos keeping the belt. Smart yeah. man. Women's Tag Team Championship, the Boss and Hog Connection versus Nia Jax and Tamina.
0: I'm going to go with uh, Tamina and Jax. I think they're going to give the belts to the heels. They're not going to let the the good guys keep the belts for too long. You know, we know how it is. A lot of times the bad guys got the belts. So I think they're going to switch it right over right away.
1: Give me the Boston Hug connection. They retain and uh, they'll have an opportunity to go to WrestleMania. The Raw Tag Team Championship. You got the Revival versus Aleister Black and Ricochet versus Bobby Roode and Chad Gable.
0: What I find interesting about this one is I really thought the revival were going to lose it on Monday night. If you watch that match, they're like hugging each other, like bro hugs. It's like they're getting ready to say goodbye. So I think they're losing the belts. The question here is which team is going to take it? Are they going to give it to the two NXT guys who basically haven't lost? Or are they going to give it to, you know, back to Rude and Gable? Uh, We'll go on the wild card. Let's give it to the NXT guys and continue to give them their run. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I think this is
1: where... We differ here. I think we're going to split in terms of the women's and the shield. I think you might win that. I might win the women's. This is where I take it down, baby. The Revival, they keep the WWE Championship, and they get their moment at WrestleMania because, remember... They've also asked for their release, and they got to be kept happy. They can't lose the belt right away at Fastlane. So give me the revival, and this probably will be the match that we have to focus in on at Fastlane to determine the winner, because I think both you and I uh, can pick the same in regards to the kickoff show, which will feature Rey Mysterio versus Andrade. Really, that's the toughest matchup to pick because both of them could go over, but I think at this point in time, this is going to be the end of the feud. I would give it to Andrade.
0: Yeah, Andrade makes the most sense. Um, Ray doesn't really need this win. I feel like Ray's come back to really just almost step in and let other guys go over on him, which is cool. My man, you did a great job. You provided us great
1: picks so that we can be intrigued. We do have differences as there were eight matches. So we got to kind of have to differ a little bit in terms of the picks that we made. But I think we gave a fair assessment as to what could happen. The match to watch for us is going to be the Raw Tag Team Championship match because I do think we're going to split out the other ways. But I have it written down. It's on audio tape. And we <laughs> did. A, you did a good job. Adam will be Thanks. proud. He cannot come back and say that you rigged this so that I would win.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I would have picked Charlotte if that were the case. Man, you did a great
1: job. I really enjoyed your insights. I enjoyed the way in which you presented the information. You lived up to the hype. So anytime (laughs) you're in the area or you want to call up, like I said, you know the voicemail. You can give a wrestling take anytime you want. I really appreciate having you here. Tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter. And I'm proud of you in that you're a guy that also takes initiative. So feel free plug the movie event that you got going on in your town, man. It was great to see what you did with your friend there and you've organized something that you're passionate about. So feel free to talk about it and where can people find out uh, about you and the project?
0: Awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, You can find me on Twitter. It's AdamJ3, so A-D-A-M-J-A-Y-3 if you want to follow me. I don't tweet a ton, but I do uh, throw my opinion out on a lot of different things, including the sports podcast and uh, the wrestling podcast. Doc just made reference to the uh, movie event that a friend and mine are putting on in our town of Midland, Michigan. So that's about two hours north of Detroit area. But what we're doing is a free community event. We're showing two Marvel movies the weekend before the next Marvel Avengers movie comes out, Avengers Endgame. So we're going to show Civil War and we're going to show Infinity War. It's just the idea for us to give back to the community that we, we work in, that we have so much going on in. And we love the idea of just having this free community event for all ages to come out um, it's called the Midtown movie Palooza Midtown is referenced to Midtown Midland so Midtown movie Palooza right now we're only on Facebook so you can find us on Facebook but if you're interested if you have listeners up in that region or if you have listeners here in the Detroit area that want to come view the movies for absolutely free and take part in a cool community activity for uh, a Saturday, uh, we'd love to see you there It's April 20th and it runs basically from 1 p.m. to 9 p.m.
1: Awesome, man. Thank you so much for sitting in this week. You will definitely hear again from Adam on this platform. He loves himself some wrestling, and he's got strong takes. You can follow him on Twitter at AdamJ3. He has review videos as well. A great guy, and now a member of the DSP family. We greatly appreciate your time, brother. Thank you.